0: Lucky Boys Podcast. Welcome to Lucky Boys Podcast, I'm Will. And I'm Norm, and we have a very special guest here today, Curtis Sliwa, the founder of the Guardian Angels. Welcome to the show.
1: Now, wait a second. Lucky Boys, does that mean I'm going to be shooting a CeeLo here? <laughs> <laughs> Three on the backhand side? Or hey, I thought we, this we, was an we, interview. We hey, hey,
2: we could get some dice going. <laughs> yeah. we, we got a little bit of background from that. <laughs> How you doing, Curtis?
1: Uh, I've had better days yeah i've had bad my city is falling apart in front of me our country is at odds uh you know i've had better days i'm not gonna lie you know everybody hey how you doing hey, i'm doing good hey i'm not doing good my city is in the turlet, and our country is at each other's throats so uh i mean really- literally uh,
2: around here i mean i'm just walking around and i mean thank god the snow's melting in the ice but there's like there was so much shit everywhere it was Impossible to walk.
1: Yeah, garbage everywhere. You say, "What's the sanitation department doing?" Uh, you know, what are people doing? People aren't even picking up after themselves. You mm-hmm. know, it's again, it all gets back to zero tolerance. If you don't see anybody maintaining the area, then you start to abuse the area, mm-hmm. and it just becomes cyclical.
2: What they call that—the broken glass theory. Uh, broken uh, windows. Broken theory. window, But you, you break the glass yeah. in order to break the window. Yeah, so <laughs> right there.
1: And you get no luck from that. That's right. for sure.
2: So is that why after all these years you are throwing your hat in the ring to become the next mayor of New York City?
1: Well, let me correct that. My beret in the ring. And your beret. Mm, uh, not my, my beret <laughs> in the ring. Yeah. Well, look, I've seen my city deteriorate under the worst mayor we've ever had in our lifetime. I call him comrade bill de blasio the part-time mayor the dope from park slope who prefers to smoke you know a few fatties at night a maui waui and hindu kush Holy instead God. of having a martini or a cocktail you know to end his night and it just perforates everything he does he has attention deficit disorder he says one thing he doesn't do it it's but he's so typical of politicians do as i say but not as i do and look at what has happened. All the misinformation, the lack of sensitivity. He's in his bunker each and every day telling us how bad things are. And we're saying, like, how about being a little bit of a cheerleader? How about walking out into the streets, going to a retail establishment or a restaurant? I remember the one time he left City Hall with his staff to get some ice cream in Chinatown, right off Mont right. Street. Right, yeah, A simple merchant came up to him. I had a bakery shop. Mr. Patrick Mock. Mr. Mayor, please. He turned his back on, Patrick, and he walked away, back to the city hall. You couldn't spend five minutes talking to this man who is A, respectful, B, pointing out a dilemma that a lot of businessmen and women have, and C, you are so pretentious, so area like so beneath me to have to speak to a common citizen. And that's so typical of his administration. So, you know, in Chinatown and everywhere else, you know, whenever Bill de Blasio's name is mentioned, Whenever he is seen, which is on rare occasion, he gets the fickle finger of fate uh, salute, which is the middle finger from Democrats, Republicans, apoliticals, far left, far right. He is universally despised. And I can't wait till he goes back to Harvard University, becomes an adjunct professor in Cambridge where (laughs) he was birthed, and gets out of our area for good.
2: Wow. Why don't you tell me what you do like about him?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. Shots
2: fired. Well,
1: look, look. Think of it. Uh, You look at your Chinese traditions, right? You imagine if you changed your last name. You know, I'm part Italian, part Polish. That wouldn't be a Shanda He changed his last name from Von Wilhelm, his father. His father was a war. Yes. Mm -hmm. His father was a war hero. In the Pacific against the Japanese. He got severely injured. And then he created this story where my father was abusive, so I changed my last name to my mother's maiden name. And you know what that was all about. Figuring you can't win in New York City running in an election with a German last name. Well, guess what? Donald Trump, last name German, became president of the United States. Well, Donald
0: Trump, he, he shortened his last name, right? Oh, yeah, what well, was Trump? Trump, yeah. Trump. Yeah. So that's <laughs> and then he created. Trump. Trump but the point being is you
1: notice he was already analyzing that when he came to New York Mm. thinking he was gonna run de Blasio Italian name would be much better and yet all of his siblings I think there's like uh, four or five of them one who owns a uh, restaurant in Atlantic City they never let go of their last name they're all von Wilhelms that tells you something about the psyche of this person that he would change his last name dishonor his father because he felt having an Italian last name, his mother's maiden name, would be better for him politically.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. what kind of a man is that? <laughs> you know, a lot of actors and models do that. People <laughs> do. in the yeah. entertainment industry. Yeah, they but they're, change the they're forced to. They're yeah. forced
1: to by the industry. Yeah. But nobody forced him to do that. He chose that. And then he disparaged his father he, because he had to explain it. He openly disparaged his father. How do you disparage your father or mother? If you disparage your own father or mother, whatever, whatever problems they had, then imagine what you think about the other people who are around you. You're going to treat them as if they were what we call uh, uh, the stuff underneath in Italian. We have a phrase for that, uh, uh, schifosa. schifosa, the worst okay. imaginable thing you could have underneath <laughs> your boot or your foot. Oh, it's like the gum. scum, yeah, the scum.
2: Scum. <laughs> scum of the world. Worse than gum. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's why that's why we Asians like to take off our shoes before yeah. we enter a home. Exactly, <laughs> Respect. that's
0: respectful. In the t- uh, well my know,
1: wife you know, makes t- me t- do that. She says, "You know, all the places you've been, <laughs> first thing you do is you take those shoes off, and not only that, you wipe them down with uh, alcohol mm. because I don't want those shoes in the house." Yeah, uh, in all the places I've been in the flotsam and jetsam, she's absolutely correct.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you do bring a lot of germs in. Um, I think I think there was a study on that. They were like, you know what, Asians actually might be onto something with that, especially um, if you have carpet in the home. Especially <laughs> if you have carpet, it <laughs> well,
0: sticks. Notice
1: you started with the shoes, and how many of us follow that tradition? Now the masks, how
2: many of us right. follow
1: the tradition? See, you Asians lead, and eventually we have to follow.
2: (laughs) You know, cleanliness, it matters to us. (laughs) It's a a big deal. Now, New York City, speaking of cleaning up, I mean, we talked earlier, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you grew up New York City during the 60s, '70s. I mean, those are hard knocks. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was tough. I mean, crime was rampant, and um, it was just not safe. And we've gone to a beautiful time in new york city in the last decade right where we're thriving pre-covid businesses were thriving new york is the place to be for entertainment artists um wall street guys business um tech companies starting to move here from the west coast and it's starting you get all these restaurants entrepreneurs and they're willing to deal with the high cost of living and being sheltered in small places, small places with high rent despite all that because it's new york freaking city it's the rome right and and now it's like you said earlier we've gone full circle it's there's graffiti everywhere everywhere dog Dog shit. shit crime is up people are talking about carrying weapons at the risk of 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 carrying it even illegally just to protect themselves from crime, just to have some sort of peace of mind that they can defend themselves. I mean, you would know that more than anyone because you guys actually run towards the trouble, the guardian angels. I mean, what's, what's the answer here? What's, what's going on? Well, the answer
1: is, uh, I'll use my wife as an example. She grew up in Bohemia, in Suffolk County. I didn't even know where Bohemia was. You say Bohemia, I figured it was somewhere in Europe. I mean, that's leave it to Beaverland. Father knows best little house on the prairie. Is it like
0: a small town in Long Island. Yeah, that's yeah. in the
1: middle of nowhere. <laughs> and her dream, she was telling me this just last night, was to come to New York City. So she ended up in Gravesend first and then Sunset Park. And she said, Oh, I want to be on the Upper West Side. I want to be on the Upper West Side. It's like it's where real bohemians are because it is a very bohemian style area, the Upper West Side, as opposed to the Upper East Side, very straight lace, you know, yeah. business uh, types yeah. and proper. And so she, she had her dream come true 10 years ago. And we live in a 320 square foot apartment, right? One toilet, 13 rescue cats. And she was like in heaven. And then in this past year, she said, you know, there's nothing to do. No more excitement in the streets. There's more life in downtown Buffalo than there is in downtown New York City. And she just sensed that all the energy, all the positivity of being a 24-7, 365 city had been sucked out. And it's because of our elected officials who put their boots to the back of our head and told us, oh, if you do anything, you're gonna die. Stay in your apartment, stay in your apartments. Put two diapers on your face. And then you realize staying in your apartment was absolutely the worst thing you could have done because that's where COVID spread. Now, did they ever apologize? Did they ever say, oh, our analytics was wrong, our science was wrong? No, uh, on to the next press conference. And you sit back and you say, you have destroyed our city. And with it, the pride the self-esteem, the morale, look at the police. They walk around, they're looking down, they won't even look you in the eye. They, they've lost, they're, they're impotent. Uh, the mayor has rendered them impotent. The governor has rendered them impotent. The no bail law, you realize you can Let's come. talk
2: about that. Let's yeah. talk about the no bail law. What are your thoughts? Um, I, I know uh, there's been arguments for both sides of the aisle about the no bail, right? You could be for, for being accused of a crime let's just say like like uh, shoplifting. You can end up in Rikers Island or ho- somewhere in holding for several months or in, in some cases they have a case where it was like over a year or two. And uh, where on the other side they're going, this completely gives criminals a revolving door where they can continue to commit crimes and go unpunished as long as it doesn't get certain attention. It'll just be they'll completely come around and do it again, do it again. That's why you have repeat offenders doing 20, 30, 40, 50. And most recently, we saw someone had 90 offenses and they're still out on the street.
1: Oh, yeah. And look, uh, out of all the mayoral candidates, I've been locked up 76 times. So
2: six
0: times yeah
1: wow. oh in the first 13 years of the guardian angels all the police were doing was giving me wooden shampoos and concrete facials why they thought we were the hell's angels they thought we were a gang they thought we were trying to replace them so they were our adversaries it wasn't until rudy giuliani was elected in 1993 that he said stop no mass no much mas, stop let's work with the guardian angels this is a positive thing in our community before that Sometimes I would get locked up. I'd say, "What's the charge, Sarge?" And as they'd be putting these silver bracelets on behind my back, he'd say, "You know what, Sliwa? Your problem is you inhale and you exhale. If you were room temperature, hey, it would be a lot better for all of us concerned." And then all of a sudden, I get locked up. I have to. My paperwork gets lost. I'm out in Rikers Island, Queens House of Detention, Brooklyn House of Detention, Bronx House of Detention. But
2: what are they locking you up for? I mean, you guys are there to stop crime that's the design of the function of the guardian angels
1: disorderly conduct disturbing the peace unlawful assembly obstruction of government administration assault and battery can i give you more charges they just write them out so i know when police can be abusive Mm -hmm. but i also know when society can abuse the police and then they've gone to defund the police And my position is refund the police. we got to get them back to where they were because ever since they defunded the police, look at the escalating violent crime that has taken place in all five boroughs. They're drive-by shootings. gangbangers shooting at one another. They get arrested and all of a sudden they get a little ticket as if they had a moving violation or a parking ticket and they're back out on the streets to do it all over again. The emotionally disturbed who need to be taken care of in mental health facilities, they're roaming the streets. They're pushing people into the subway tracks. The endless numbers of homeless people. There's so many shelters now that they built all over the city with our tax dollars. How come they're not in the shelters? So they put them in hotels, 18,000 of them. But look at the problems. So you can't just warehouse people. You got to take care of the people. You got to give them Absolutely. programs. You got to get them back on track. If you're just warehousing people, all you're going to do is is create more homeless people because anyone who comes to New York City is entitled to have shelter. That was a federal judge's rule. You come to New York City, you could declare yourselves um, indigent. The city must find you shelter. And so naturally, if you are from some other places where there is no such thing as guaranteed shelter, why wouldn't you come to New York City? Mm -hmm. And then you get services, you get SNAPs, food stamps, you get Medicaid, You get a number of programs that maybe you couldn't get from your own hometown. Maybe you're a dope fiend. Maybe you're a drug addict. Maybe you have alcohol problems. Maybe you have emotional issues that have to be dealt with. But if you come to New York City, the city by federal mandate is forced to have to take care of your needs. And there are homeless people everywhere. And I don't see the situation getting better. Not under Comrade de Blasio, that's for sure.
2: I was speaking to one of my colleagues, and and she was telling me where New Jersey the judges get discretion. And New York City, they literally just have to follow the code. And there isn't, a, if this person is a danger to society, uh, it doesn't matter. Even though the judge can plainly see this person is extremely violent or danger to themselves, they'll say, nope, you know, they have to follow what the law says. But so, Jersey gives them, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but Jersey uh, gives the judges, they have the same thing, no bail reform, but then yeah. they give the judges discretion. To override it and 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 look at this person like no you know what this is, let's say this is your third crime this month and you know you're right. probably gonna you're a danger to society. Well, you need remember,
1: help. We had an opportunity to study what Jersey did first. They did it two years before us. They got all the experts involved, including from the public safety divisions, the prosecutors, the defense attorneys. Their no bail law is ten times better than ours. But what happened? When King Cuomo decided there was going to be a no bail law, F New Jersey. We're not going to follow New Jersey. Are you kidding? Uh, We're going to create our no bail, our own no bail law. Now, why would you be afraid of judicial uh, intervention when almost every judge in New York City is liberal or progressive? When is the last time you found a conservative judge on the bench in New York City? They are all appointed by the mayors. And the mayors have been liberal. The last eight years, has been Bill de Blasio. So the point being is you must give a judge an opportunity. A, are they a flight risk? B, are they a threat to themselves or a threat to other members of society? And sometimes you have to have preventative detention because you have to be able to incarcerate them until it can be adjudicated. And all during this pandemonium, the courts have been closed. It's just now they're starting to open up. Do you know the backlog of cases that they have? Go ahead. Try to find these people that you've arrested on serious charges because they're just going to disappear between the cracks. So it's a dysfunctional criminal justice system, unfortunately, that exists. The district attorneys, they were talking the other day, oh, we're going to throw lock you up and throw away the key if you spit at, at someone who works for the MTA. What about if you punch somebody who works for the MTA or stab them or shoot them? So spitting is the worst violation in their mind. How incompetent. Now, should you end up being charged? Of course. Of course. But all of a sudden, you're making a big issue about people being spat on. I get spat on twice a day by Mm. people in the streets. You just wipe it off and you keep going. What are you supposed to do? Get into a fight? They're not going to get arrested. It's just... it's. Makes no sense what they've done, which is they've really handicapped the criminal justice system so that only criminals get justice, not the victims.
0: Right. I'm just curious. Um, is it because they, with the bail reform right now, is it because they're closing down Rikers? You know, they're, they're trying to have less prisons. That was the goal, basically, and build build other prisons in different areas. But closing the biggest prison you know, in New York, Rikers, was that part of the, the thinking of, of bail reform?
1: Well, you have to be honest uh, with who it is that's pushing this. These are people who don't really want anybody in prison. No one incarcerated. If it was up to them. So they want to uh, eliminate federal prisons, state prisons. And Why is that? They truly believe in restorative justice. They believe in this, that anyone can be reformed. Now people can be reformed, but you don't do a mass experiment by just releasing people back into the streets because all you do is empower them. So especially when it comes to violent crimes, you're gonna return these people into the streets and the new bail law in New York State allows the suspect's lawyer, whether they're appointed, most of them are appointed legal aid or they might have private counsel. They get the information on who the victims and the witnesses are within six weeks. They know the names, they know their addresses, and they can go back and visit the crime scene. So let's say someone did a home invasion on you, and the person was arrested or persons were arrested. Within six weeks, the attorney representing that person or attorneys representing those people can actually do an on-site visit. You have to give them permission. To come in and look at your either place of business or your home. It's all part of what they call the discovery process for their defense. Can you imagine these three guys coming in and now they're eye-fornicating you and mad dogging you, like sucking their bottom lip, and you're saying, Oh my God, what are they doing in my house? Oh, you have to let them in your house. They have to do an on-site inspection as part of their discovery. What is the likelihood that you're going to go and testify when it eventually, maybe six months, a year, two years comes to trial? You're not going to have any part of the process because you figure, hey, snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. That's the code of the streets. But the people who make these laws, you think they've ever been in the streets? You really ever think that they've ever been locked up like I've been locked up? Do they know what it's like, the code of omerta, the code of justice in the streets, where if you snitch, okay, I go away, but my homies are going to get you. Oh, yeah, they're going to get you. And they're going to get your wife. They're going to get your daughter, your son. They're going to burn your car. They're going to attack your property. They're going to make your life miserable. So naturally, all of a sudden, you have temporary amnesia. Or do you say, oh, I'm developing the first levels of dementia and Alzheimer's? I don't remember any longer what happened. Uh, I can't even recognize those guys. The system is rigged now against the victims, completely rigged. And the officials who recognize this won't do anything about it because we're better than New Jersey. We don't want to reform our no bail situation to a more working no bail situation in New Jersey. It's all because they're pretentious, they're full of themselves. They think New York state is the best and that they need to lead and others follow. God forbid if the rest of the country follows New York state, it'll be one criminal uh, mess throughout the states.
2: That, and we also, not to mention, there is a mass exodus for the past 12 months of new york city you have major corporations that are leaving you have other major corporations including wall street that's looking to move their operations down south and you also have uh tons of job losses in the entertainment industry in the service industries <sighs> i mean it's everywhere you look it's it's bleeding and how can these officials still stick their heads in a stand and, and just say that it'll be okay. We need rapid changes. If you were mayor, what type of changes would you put in place to just curb the bleeding and, and move New York back to its former glory? Or do you think that it's, it's too late? We, New York will, I mean, there's a lot of people that's not as optimistic, and they say that they don't think New York will ever go back to what it was. It's done. Well,
1: a lot of of these uh, appointed and elected officials didn't live through the 70s like I did when we were on the brink of fiscal demise, on the brink of bankruptcy, where you had to do more with less. Ed Koch just got elected mayor. He had to account for every nickel, dime, and penny he had with a financial control board. He couldn't just spend money. He had to lay off cops and firefighters, social workers, educators. It really hurt the city. But now, these elected officials, they must be in a drug-induced psychosis, really. Oh, we're New York strong, we always return. Hey, wait a second, schmucks, putzers. Didn't you just see what happened during the pandemic? People could work in their homes. They don't need to come to Manhattan. They don't need to come to Brooklyn or Queens. And in fact, corporations don't need to have a shingle any longer in New York City where they used to lose money sometimes just to be able to say, we're in New York City. It's a global entity, the global economy. They don't need to be here in New York City. They can be out in Iowa where there are more pigs than people. And totally function with a workforce that live in the suburbs, that operate on their laptops, and never have to come into New York City. And think about it. If you happen to be a commuter that was coming into Manhattan from Long Island on the Long Island Railroad, or New Jersey Transit, and you were like sardines for two hours a day, and you had to put up with all kinds of stress, now you're able to stay in your home. Actually save money, because you're not spending money having to go back and forth schlepping to New York City. And you're still being able to be productive and the corporations are realizing we don't need to lease all this space that we Mm -hmm. leased in Manhattan. We can operate from a much business-friendlier state, Austin in Texas, where Elon Musk has gone, right? And others, Miami Beach, which is saying, come on down to Miami Beach, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee. They're all basically picking our pockets And everyone's asleep here. Cuomo to Blasio. No, no, they'll return. No, no, they won't. They don't have to. Maybe they'll visit. Hopefully, they'll spend their money here. Hopefully, we'll open up the entertainment and cultural centers so there will be attractions for them. Hopefully, maybe they'll have a second apartment. But we can't curse them the fact that they left. A million people left New York City in the 70s. Now, how did we sort of regain the edge? Well, we had the greatest migration of people into new york city through the 90s into the early 2000s it was called the hipsters and millennials who came in here from all over the country from idaho where there are more potatoes and people everyone wanted to come to new york city and establish you know what it is that they've done what it is that attracted them so there will be migration back there will be immigration back into the city But we're all going to have to learn to do more with less for quite some time before we can get back on track. And my job as the mayor is to be a cheerleader. Wherever the mayor goes, the cameras and the press follow. Go into the retail establishments. Go into the restaurants. Go in. God forbid they actually go into the subway where I had a baptism in fire, right? Go to these places. Encourage people because they're saying, oh, people should use the subways. People aren't stupid. They see Cuomo and de Blasio and the other elected officials, and they're never in the subways. So it's always do as I say, not as I do. But if they feel a mayor is out there with them, cheering them on, saying, yeah, times are going to be rough, but we'll all come together, we'll pull together, we'll be able to get back on track. They'll feel so much better. Right now, it's like you feel like it's doom and gloom. You feel like Cuomo and de Blasio, every day they have a press conference, it's like they're the Grim Reaper. It's like they're coming to tell you, well, you know, it doesn't matter what they're doing in Florida or even Connecticut or anywhere else in the country. No, 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 nothing's happening here. And you will be lucky if we get it together by 2022. 2022, the rest of the country
2: is going to pass us by. So what are some immediate meaningful solutions we can apply to help New York rebound?
1: Open up all the restaurants. Open up the retail establishments. uh, Encourage people to get into the subways by having more policing on a regular basis that's uh, visible. And I'm talking the 4,000 transit cops they always had, not the 2,500, not just a temporary surge. And these cops have got to start glomming up. You know, you go into the subway. There's four or five cops together. They're lollygagging around. You know, they're looking at their iPhone, their smartphone. They're sexting. They're texting. No, 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 no. One person patrol. Start in the back of the car. Go to the front of the car, keep walking in and out. Don't be all, you know, basically packed together on the subway platforms. Because a lot of these crimes are occurring on the moving trains. Why aren't they using the old standards of how transit police used to patrol the trains? But they basically thrown that out the window. They don't want to be proactive. Not the cops. They'd like to be proactive. But the mayor and his lapdog police commissioner, Dermot (laughs) Shea... Yes, boss. Yes, boss. Whatever you say. Oh, take a billion dollars out of the budget. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you exactly where to take the budget. We'll take it out of street crime unit that gets the guns and the gangs off the street. We'll stop the homeless intervention unit. what, what else? How else? It's like Harry Carey, the police commissioner. You should have resigned. He should have made a statement that we cannot provide public safety if you take a billion dollars out of our budget. So I'm talking refund it, not defund it. Get us back to where we need to be and let the cops be cops. But if they cross the line... I'm a guy who knows how cops cross the line. I mean, (laughs) I still have bruises and fractures from getting an attitudinal readjustment from them from 1979 and 1992. But if you cross the line as a cop, there has to be a severe price to pay. Mm
2: -hmm. There seems to be some very sensitive, complicated topics around defund, refund the police, where people are focused on, hey, the police doesn't need all of these resources they don't we can allocate it somewhere else that will be much more conducive to new york city thriving and uh we're a better policing department they don't need all these tanks and weaponry and whatever they want to say right and then you got the other aisle saying you know what we need the police because look at the crime that's occurring they they they're fighting with one hand tied behind their backs. They're just arresting these people, and they're and then they're 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 doing all this paperwork. And next thing you know, the the same guy that they just arrested is back out on the street waving hi to them. You know, and and is is there a? I guess my question is: is there a happy medium where we can satisfy both ends? Because I do see the point on both sides. I do see it from. The victims' mentality, or you know, the people who's who's been pushed on the subway tracks, right? The people who is going in the subway who feels like, oh man, I'm, I don't feel safe, right? And and that happened, that hasn't happened in New York City for decades, where people didn't feel safe on the subway. And then I see it on the other aisle. Where do you really need this type of strong arm enforcement? where you said it yourself you were on the other end of that the, sure. where they were very nasty sure. is there somewhere in the middle we can meet
1: of course look every agency has a bloated budget look at the department of education right 30 billion dollars out of a 92 billion dollar budget And what do they want to do? What is their focus? Desegregate the schools. Really? Is that our number one issue or educating our children? Look at what they want to take away. They want to take away the advanced testing program so that kids who apply themselves, who study, who play by the rules, their families... Now, oh, you can't get into Stuyvesant or Brooklyn uh, Tech or Bronx High School of Silence or Townsend or Staten Island Tech. No, 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 you can't be. Wait, now you change the rules all of a sudden because Asians happen to be doing the best? Wow, this is what they used to do to you know, the Jewish the first person kid. to
2: address that. Right. That's a major issue uh, that a lot of people within our community talk about. Like, Why do Asians have to be extra, extra smart to get, in those specialized schools, whereas other people, they they can... Just like the 60s and 70s, that's
1: what happened to Jewish kids. They put a cap on them. They put a cap on them in universities, in special high schools, in advanced programs. Look, there's gifted and talented. I have three sons. My two youngest sons tried to get into gifted and talented. I remember I went with them. I waited in the auditorium. They had their interview, you know, out of sight, out of mind. They just weren't good enough for gifted and talented, but they get a good education in the public school system, but they want to eliminate that. Now, what are they offering in return? Well, there's charter schools, but they don't want to allow for any more charter schools. And then you have the parochial schools who actually have been open all through the pandemic. They've had kids in the classroom, no problems in, oh, but no, we can't do it the parochial school way. Well, I'll tell you what they're all gonna to have to do, whether it's a public school, a charter school or a parochial school more vocational training. Look at where the demands in the job market is. They need electricians, plumbers, carpenters, you know that one third of those who program computers, who are programmers at Google, have only graduated high school? Where did they learn this skill? In professional trade schools that we ended up paying for their education with the Pell Grants.
2: So you're talking about let's update schools to put programs in place that you can use after school.
1: Exactly, where the demand is. Where you can is, hit the ground adjust. floor running. And look, look how many of us are pretty soon gonna be under home care, and we're gonna need somebody to change our bedpan and change our depends and know what's going on. You can't just have unskilled people doing that. I could not agree more with you. Right. And now we need to raise their standards and give them vocational training. So the moment they're out of school, even if they're just out of high school, if they don't go on for any advanced training, they can get a job. It can be self-supportive. They can raise a family. They can be productive citizens. What we're trying to do is force every kid to have an academic education. And I'm telling you, it didn't work in the 60s. And it's not going to work in the 2020s. You have to have the alternative. And vocational training has been not eliminated, but it's nowhere near what it needs to be. And that just doesn't mean public schools, but that means charter schools and parochial schools, especially if they want taxpayer support. They're going to have to do more vocational training.
2: Right. Is that challenging to kind of revamp the way we think about school and education?
1: Oh, very challenging. I mean, you look, they tried Common Core. And I'll never forget uh, the mother of my two youngest sons say, oh, I want you to sit down with Carter, do math with him. Common Core. I said,
2: what the hell is this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. I can't even do it. How is like, a young
2: child going to do where, it? Where, and just to explain that, it's, it's like, for example, if you're doing uh, multiplication, And instead of the standard way where we're taught to carry the one and carry the the leftover number, they have to do all these other steps. Yeah, to to show the work. To show the work or it doesn't count. Right. Mm. And you're absolutely right because one of my friends, uh, one of my friends showed me his kid's homework. He goes, Will, solve this the way (laughs) they want to. And I was like, well, dude, why do I even start? This is crazy. Oh exactly. Yeah, and
1: you say, where's the common sense? Yeah. So when Curtis Lee was mayor, everything yeah. is going to be followed by, where's the common sense in this? And we're going to have to do more of this with less. Can you show me? Uh, you know how they say, show me the analytics. Break it down for me. That's Bloomberg. You know, he used to be the numbers guy. He had no sensitivity. He had no common touch with the average man. And went, show me the analytics. In this case, I've got the touch with the common man and common woman. But I'm going to say, look, I may not agree with you on this idea. But if you can show me how we can do more of this with less money, because... We can't print money. We can't do what the federal government is doing, raising the debt ceiling, raising the deficit ceiling. You try doing that with your business or your own personal finances. I can't really pay the nut at the end of the month. Could I raise my debt ceiling? Could I raise my deficit? No, they'll say, absolutely not. We're going to foreclose on you. The city must have a balanced budget, and we have to use common sense. So I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, independent, apolitical. Anyone can come to the table in a SLEWA administration. If it's a good idea, we'll try to do it as long as we could do more of it with less money.
2: That said, how do we bring businesses back and retain the current businesses that's operating right there at the margins right now?
1: Uh, let's make a deal. Used to be a TV program, door number one, door number two, door number three. It's supply and demand. There is an oversupply of leasable space, rental space, both for residential housing and and for commercial properties. So everyone is gonna have to be involved in this, the bankers, the mortgage uh, providers, the landlords, the tenants, and they're gonna have to figure out a way so that everybody can feed themselves. There's no, nobody has. And, and you see, this is what I love. All the other candidates running from mayor. Oh, we'll do this, we'll do that. How you know? Did, has this ever happened before where well, we had a pandemic? We were on the brink of fiscal collapse. Crime was escalating. Some of those things happened, but never under the guise of a pandemic. How can you be so sure that that's going to work? We got to try these things. But if people are not willing to negotiate and figure out a way where everyone can eat, It may be very difficult. You can't just do things by government, eat it. You know, a lot of people out there, they want government to take care of them from the cradle to the grave. I want to promote, uh, uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, show me what you can do for yourself, what you can do for your community, what you can do for your country, what you can do for your city. Because there has to be a lot more self-support and less dependence on government. Everybody, what are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for me? Give me a stimulus check, uh, pay for my college uh, that, my, my college loans. Like, excuse me, you know, where do you think we're getting this money from? Someone's going to be paying for this. Unfortunately, it's going to be my children and the future generation from our children's children that are going to be stuck with this debt. And nobody now seems to care. Ah, what do we Hey, I'm working, but I need a stimulus check. Mm-hmm. What do you need a stimulus check for? There are people that were out of work and they need the money. Everyone is being very selfish. Instead of taking an us and we attitude, it's all
2: I and me. Do you think providing some tax breaks and incentives incentives for businesses to stay and open up and create new jobs in the city is, is a good start?
1: You have to, because if you don't, Hey, Texas is, Florida is, and right right now, they have a better quality of life. It's 82 degrees in Miami right. Beach.
2: Right, but I you, mean, do you think that there'll be some pushback against that?
1: Well, think of it. Right now, they want to tax the wealthy. Do the wealthy have to stay here any longer? They don't. Of course. And I know that they left. So, so yeah. who's going to pay the taxes? Average, everyday people? Yes. Middle class people, lower middle class people, sales tax. Everybody pays sales tax but it's not gonna be enough to pay for the social welfare program that we have that exists in New York City that is very generous compared to other cities. You go to other cities, like Dallas or Houston, <laughs> and they say, what? You provide what for your residents? I have no idea. You know, So they've streamlined their procedure, so the wealthy will leave, and then what? So you gotta figure out, how, do, how, can, we, how can we entice them to stay Maybe it's more through sponsorship. If you sponsor certain programs, if you attach an area, it's like what they always do with wealthy people. How much does it cost in terms of a donation to throw your name up on NYU Medical Center, Langone, right, of Home Depot? He, you know, he paid, a lot of ch- he paid a lot of cheddar for that. But he got naming rights. City Fields, no, no longer called Chase Stadium, right? They paid a lot of money for that. Mm-hmm. So it may well be you have to be creative so they feel they're getting some value. But just to say, oh no, we're raising your taxes. And they're gonna say, I could still have a business here and not have to live here. I don't have to pay personal taxes. So, you know, they, they, wanna, they wanna flex. It's like when you're in the show, I'm flexing. That's right, you get off this block. Well, if you get off, if, if we chase the wealthy, and the well-to-do and people who have equity. How are we going to create jobs? You want to create government jobs? Really? <laughs> that's not going to be adding to the tax base at all. You create government jobs when the private sector cannot respond to those issues. But that's socialism. And by the way, we have a lot of immigrants in our uh, our city here who escape socialist and communist dictatorships. who don't want want us going in that direction. But you have a whole new generation of hipsters and millennials who are so hopelessly naive. Oh, yeah, socialism, communism, don't pay rent. This is what AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Democrat Socialists of America are urging publicly. Nobody pay rent. The landlords will have to leave their property. Oh, really? I saw that in the 70s. It led to abandonment, arson. Everyone's property values plummeted. The city and state came in and took over the buildings. And you know, when they take over anything, they do a lousy job. What do you why do you want to make the same mistakes again in twenty in our, our decade of 2020 that we made back in the 1970s? History will repeat itself, but it all sounds good. Yeah. Don't pay rent. Well, Not all landlords are huge landlords. A lot of them live in the property. It's a one, two family building, right? Or maybe they have four apartments. And if one person doesn't pay the rent, how do you think they're going to continue to pay for the electricity, the gas, the sewage, the water, the property taxes, everything that goes with that? There's no concern about property owners with this. And then all of a sudden, if the building is not properly managed, you're going to have to end up leaving anyway. If there are rats, if there's vermin, if there's junkies in the stairwell, if there's fires that are taking place because all of a sudden people are coming in and they're beaming themselves up to Scotty
2: and smoking crack. And that's going to lead to a lot of crime. Right,
1: yeah. right. So we've seen this before. But the hipsters and millennials, many of them, you know, they're idealistic. I understand. I went through that whole period of time you know, in my early youth you know, Rules for Radical, Saul Alinsky, you know, It's a Class Struggle, you know, all those themes, and they sound real good. I read Das Kapital by Karl Marx and Engels, and I saw everything. It was sort of like the ultimate perfect society, except where the hell has it ever worked? It's like, oh, well, we we'll, oh, you know, the Scandinavian country. Do we really want to be like Denmark? Do we want to be like Sweden, Norway, Finland? Hell no, this is America. Yeah. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, we could be like Denmark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eat lutefisk and Fisker balls all day. No, no, I'm sorry. I've been, I've been to all those countries. They're fine countries, but <laughs> this is a large melting pot, unlike any of those countries, where you have freedoms that, in some instances, those countries don't have. And we want to preserve all those freedoms, especially when it comes to freedom of speech, which hipsters and millennials are consistently now through the cancel culture trying to limit. You start doing that, then who is the arbiter? Who determines what can be said and what can't be said? Free speech, you want an answer to hate speech, more free speech. More free speech, just get it out there. It's like an antiseptic, but to limit free speech, you're going down a, re- a very dark road.
2: Now, do you think politicians really believe what they're saying about that? Because I gotta, I have to think that they know better, right? Do you think that they're just saying it because that is appealing to the voting majority in that demographic?
1: Uh, I think all politicians, Democrats or Republicans, are afraid of free speech. Because remember. If you are exercising your free speech, you're less dependent on them. You're not taking the party line. You're independent and autonomous as we should be. You're a contrarian. You're, always, you're not all, only just processing their propaganda because, let's face it, both parties and other what do they give you? Propaganda. If they could write the reports the way they want it, that's what they do. Look at Andrew Cuomo's right. Andrew evilized Cuomo's. Look at the mess he's gotten us into because he cooked the books because he wanted to make himself look good. And at a certain period of time, I was one of the few who was criticizing him back in April of last year. Oh no, he was a god. He was a deity. You know, he I was,
2: remember people were saying that he should run for president. Right. They, they, they were extremely charismatic. They, they, they were fixing a new a spot
1: on Mount Rushmore. You know, a fifth spot next to Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Teddy and boy, Roosevelt. Did that
2: 180 so fast.
1: Right, but he, he was all propaganda. This is what we have to be fearful of. There is no idolatry. There are no perfect men or women. We have to always be questioning authority. I was taught, don't trust anyone over 30. That was a little extreme in the, in the 1960s. But why should you trust any of these elected officials? How many of them actually ever tell you the truth? They're going to defend their interests before they're going to defend the people's mm-hmm. interests. So let's always look at them with a John eye. Look, they wanted to run for elective office. They've raised millions of dollars for a job maybe that pays 150000 What do you think the reason is for that? Because then all of a sudden they're all powerful. Oh, the senator is here. The congressman is here. It's like everyone parts like it's the Red Sea for Moses. They get so empowered. But then in the reverse, they say, I'm entitled. Look at the kids that I went to school with now. They're making millions of dollars, and look at me. I'm only making 150000 a year. Oh, man, I'm but the, entitled to but put the power, my beak in
0: the trough. But the power
1: they yield is much greater than those people who are making millions of dollars. Right, and they a lot of them put their beak in the trough, and they get wined, dined, and pocket-lined. Mm-hmm.
2: But aren't you afraid that you'll become one of them since you are trying to run for governance
1: oh sure oh that's what you got to always be careful of is Mm -hmm. you got those uh those vipers those vixens out there lobbyists you know so when i get to city hall i get elected big sign front door city hall no lobbyists welcome you're a lobbyist you're to the back of the line
2: wasn't wasn't trump didn't trump do something like that he did right.
0: but, but he, he has lobbyists so, you know he right. did it's right. just, this is word, playing. it's just like him right. saying that
2: right I, I found it interesting that uh you were openly against trump when you didn't support him however you are a republican and when i heard that you were first running for mayor um uh, what i found fascinating was like all right so you're supposed to support the side that you're on you chose a side and you're not supporting one of a person who holds the highest office, and if you're running for mayor, you would need to be endorsed um, by the Republican Party, right? And uh, I, I thought that that would have created some friction, but I, I, I think I read in the post—I think two weeks ago—you were uh, endorsed by the Republican Party, of in Staten Island, Staten Island, and Brooklyn, and Brooklyn. Understand this: yeah.
1: I've known Donald Trump going back to the '80s. We've had a love-hate relationship all throughout. It's been back and forth. When he was president, obviously there were a lot of things I liked. I liked the fact that he got people out of jail who were unfairly incarcerated for years. All the Democrats talked about doing that, but it was only Donald Trump who did it. Remember, he allowed for experimental drugs to be used. You didn't have to wait 10 years for FDA approval, and that's why people were traveling the world trying to survive. I've had... uh, Chronic Crohn's disease, colitis, ileitis. I got shot five times with hollow point bullets. I've needed all kinds of medicinal cures at time that weren't necessarily readily available on the market. I love that when Trump did that, he cut through all the red tape uh, in our battles with mainland China. You know, finally taking a stand, saying, "Oh no, 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 no! We're not, you're not going to roll over us." But then there were other things that bothered me every day with the Twitter. I th- he needed really Chinese finger cuffs you know, on his Twitter it because it'd be like 10 Twitters in the morning, 10 in the afternoon, 10 at night. I got vertical, political vertical. But that didn't mean I supported Hillary. I didn't support Joe Biden. I actually voted for myself in 2016. I was going to go with the Libertarian candidate, Gary Johnson, but he didn't know where Aleppo was. He couldn't find Syria on the map. He was in a, a marijuana purple haze. And last time around, I supported Brock Pierce, who I got to know well, who ran on the Independence Party, independent guy, It was into Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, you know, the future of where we're going. It wasn't a slight on Donald Trump, but it was my preferred preference. And I certainly wasn't going to vote for Hillary Rodham Clinton or Joe Biden. Now, for some Republicans, that's the litmus test. What? You didn't vote for Donald Trump? Exactly. I I can't vote for you. Right. But this is about New York City. Donald Trump can't help New York City. Joe Biden can't help New York City. We got to help ourselves. So, when you look at the plethora of candidates, you have to say, who's going to help the five boroughs before more people decide to pack up and leave? And I think most people have looked at that and have said, yeah, Curtis has always been an independent spirit. That's what's made him the person that he is. But he, you know, he hasn't been disparaging Trump. It's not like he goes out of his way to disparage him. He was just very upset at the whole course of where our politics was going, in which we we were a nation divided. I don't know if the Democrats can heal that. Do you still
2: have a relationship with Trump? Uh, have i had a relationship yeah. oh
1: yeah. yeah at times we've gotten along splendidly at other times he didn't like something i said and would take offense to it obviously once he became president uh, we no longer had any contact but uh i've had a love of- we both got this this is the best 80 uh 68th street armory it's a hot sweltering night in july it's back in the early 80s we were both given awards by the new york state conservative party and uh Trump showed up with his tux. I had my guardian angel uniform on. I said, Donald, I never knew you to be a conservative. Donald said, I never knew you to be a conservative. He said, well, look at us. We're getting the highest award of the conservative party in New York State. And it wasn't because we were conservative. Because really, Donald Trump at that time was very liberal. Mm -hmm. and I, I remember that. I was less liberal than Donald Trump. Uh, But they were recognizing us for the work we did. That's how you cross party differences. You recognize people for what they're doing, not because they're in total lockstep agreement with everything that you say. We have to have different points of view out there. Maybe occasionally I'll agree with the Democrats or someone who's independent or autonomous or the Republican. That's what makes America great. But if we all, in know, oh, no, no, I'm a Democrat. I can never say anything nice about the Republicans and vice versa. That's not going to be helpful to our country. And in this city where the Democrats have an eight to one ratio of registered voters to Republicans, how can you not reach out and want to work with Democrats, especially the moderate Democrats who are afraid of the Democrat Socialists of America taking over? You've got to be able to encourage them to vote for you.
2: All that said, do you think you have a shot at winning? I mean, obviously, you wouldn't be running, but, you know, the list I see out there right now is all the brand names, right? And It's a long uh, list, too. It's a long list, right? Um, but do you think you actually have a shot out of that long list of competitors for, the, for that seat?
1: Well, think. What is the number one issue? Public safety, crime, the police. No one has more bona fide credentials in that arena than I. 42 years seeing it from both sides. And I think people have developed a respect for me. Even if they may disagree with some of my beliefs, my ideology, they'll at least listen. With some of the others, they're so locked. You know, they're so locked into being the typical politician that, oh, you got to go to the far left in order to win the Democratic primary. And then maybe you can come over to the center. And now there's this belief that no Republican can ever win. There was a time there was a guy named George Pataki. Nobody knew who he was. He had been the mayor in peak skill. You couldn't find it on the map. He was a person of no consequence. He beat Mario Cuomo, the iconic figure of the Democratic Party. Everyone said it was impossible. Two days before the election, the Daily News published a poll. He was 17 percentage points down. How did he win? You think he took the attitude and everyone, oh, a Republican can't win. It's Mario Cuomo. Soon he'll be on his way to the White House or the United States Supreme Court. No, if you're not in it, you can't win it. And most importantly, when it comes down to one Democrat against me, the Republican, now people are going to have an opportunity to size us up. And when it comes to crime and public safety, None of them are in my league. None of them have had the experience that that, that that I have had. And naturally, my mission is to refund the police, to get them back on track, let them be proactive, not reactive, but with limitations so that they're not excessive.
2: Right, so we could keep both sides happy, where...
1: Uh, yeah, well, no. no a, a lot of sides are never gonna be happy, but we gotta get the city back to being functional. Yeah. I wish uh, it could be kumbaya, everyone's happy. But if we don't get people back to work, if we don't get people coming into the city and spending money and get the entertainment and the cultural centers open, which really made us the crown jewel of greatness and grandeur in the world, then we're going to lose so much of what we've gained over the years. Remember, we had 20 years of Republican mayors and we improved. Within eight years, one man single-handedly, de Blasio has taken the wrecking ball to us. You know, it's sort of like Miley Cyrus, the wrecking ball. Well, he's been a one-man
0: wrecking ball crew,
1: (laughs) Bill de Blasio.
0: And uh, pretty much the underpinning of all this, like just just having businesses reopen, is safety, right? And, you know, people have to feel safe to go to work and to to open up their businesses and patron these businesses. And the huge thing about right now is um, crime in Minority communities, specifically Asian communities, like we saw uh, in Flushing, uh, uh, old uh, elderly lady was pushed to the ground, and that person, that uh, that perp, went was 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 cap- was uh, captured, but he he was released like within twenty four hours. Oh yeah, and this should have been
1: dealt with when the guardian angels began patrolling the Asian communities. We started back uh, in, yeah. a year ago in the lunar after the lunar parade. Up Mott Street. So February of 2020. And people were beginning to see the images from Wuhan. And some people who were emotionally disturbed, young thugs, people who have been drinking heavily, started translating that into, oh, Chinese, quote, Asian people carry coronavirus. And we saw them being verbally assaulted. We saw that there were attempted physical attacks, which we stopped. So we started patrolling Chinatown. And then Flushing. And then 8th Avenue in Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Sunset Park, which is actually, most people don't know it, the largest Chinese-American community in the five boroughs. And uh, all other Asians were also being under, under the radar microscope of these attacks. And the city did nothing. The police did nothing at that time. So when you do nothing, do you think it just goes away? It festers. It grows. And now we see an explosion of these crimes against Asians. And all I see the politicians doing is having press conferences. Oh, what an outrage. Okay, what are you doing about it? Yep. Nothing. Oh, what an outrage. What are you doing about it? Nothing. Nothing. Other than
2: having press conferences. Let's have a rally. Just lip service. And then after that, what happened after the rally? Oh, they took a lot of photos, a lot of snapshots and recordings of them going around the internet, Instagram, Facebook, wherever, of them saying something. But what has actually changed? Do we feel any safer Do I feel that my parents are any safer when they're out and about? My friends, my family? No. And I don't think any of us do in the community. So I'm getting tired of just watching these people just root us on, make us feel like we actually accomplished something because nothing has been done yet.
1: Well, notice the one message they don't have that the guardian angels have is we say fight back. We say do not fold like a cheap camera to not allow yourself to be a victim. Now obviously many of these victims were incapable of fighting back. But I've seen images where the Asian person was getting pounced on and people were walking right by. Yeah. yeah. Like they got window shades on their eyes, they got cotton balls in their ears, a zipper on their mouth. They're doing nothing. And then you say, what happens? I thought we have the photos. Look, look, you can see the guys. They're running away. Oh, but you can't use facial recognition technology. Why not? Oh, because that's that's racist. What are you talking about? That will actually zone in and you'll get the right person, not maybe someone else who had a mask on who looks the same and then unfortunately that guy gets jammed up for a crime they didn't commit. So all these negative uh, portrayals of law enforcement and the criminal justice system are hurting victims. And now that Asians are being targeted a regular Are you gonna wait for everyone else? Look how many Asians are in the Guardian Angels now. Why did they join the Guardian Angels? Because it was a way to fight back, a way to protect their community. So if you're just gonna go along with these Sing Song politicians, next week it'll be another uh, you know, press conference they have the
2: following and no follow-up. What's going on, Curtis? I, I I don't I don't get it. Like this is something that's a no-brainer for me it's a no-brainer it's their city it's their people we're part of the community however you want to spin it we're americans as american as they are and some of us have been here for several generations i mean and they're being targeted i just don't understand where why you can't even get to the point where you can label this and call it what it is a hate crime why can't you even Get the police to have a proper group with the proper resources to appropriately address the crimes. Where the Asian Hate Task Force that they said they built—I mean, we had Sergeant uh, Steve Lee here, and I mean, he told us that it's just you know smoke and mirrors. It's a volunteer yep. group, and yep. they just—they can't really well do much. Let's cut to
1: the chase. Yeah, I always cut to the chase. <laughs> let's do it. <that. laughs> This is what happened to Jews over the years. Jews have been subject to anti-Semitic attacks. Why? Because they're doing well educationally in business. They're living the American dream. Others, they look at that like somehow they've cheated their way to the top. You know, like somehow they took from me in order to succeed. This is where the Asian community is now. They're doing so well in business academically, in schools. People hear, oh, they're in advanced classes. There's a growing number of them in the public school system. There's a huge, if not for all the Asians entering the public school system, you know what the average scores would be. So we have so much to be grateful for. But some people have jealousy in their heart. They don't want people to succeed because then all of a sudden they think that they're somehow cheating the system. And they're not. They're playing by the rules. And now all of a sudden, we're venting at them for doing well by attacking them, verbally abusing them. And this way, that's why when you have a no bail law, no bail. So the Asian community sees someone who committed this horrific act and the next day they're walking out in the streets. So that's why I always say, look, politicians will always promise everything they can't deliver. The police, they'll they'll talk about all that they're going to do, but now that their budget has been cut, they can barely do the minimum. You got to police yourselves, whether it's forming guardian angel groups or forming your own patrols. You got to look after your own neighborhoods, your own communities, because if you don't do it, nobody else is. Unfortunately, they'll show up at a protest and a rally and you know they'll say, fight back, but th- they go home and they're living in their own little cones,
2: their they're own, own cones right. of silence. From Oakland to San Francisco to New York City, you have Asian communities policing themselves now. You have volunteer groups who get together to walk around to make sure that our elderly uh, women and children do not get assaulted.
1: You have to do that. Look, the Jewish community has done that. They have their own patrols. So
2: what are we paying taxes for?
1: Well, you see, you can make that argument, but now they've defunded the police. And uh, as bad as it is in terms of these attacks, what I'm really most uh, concerned about is what happened to the anti-terrorism task force that protects us from a third attack by Al-Qaeda, ISIS, or another group of crazies around the world who want to take a third bite at the apple? They won't give me the data. Have they eliminated positions, have they actually assigned men and women out of that very specialized unit to other details? You can't get that information. Look, if they've depleted the ranks of the anti-terrorism task force that protects us from these foreign enemies, from these terrorists, There's going to be a third attack. And if you notice, who's talking about it? Curtis Sliwa, because (laughs) I got my boots on the ground. And I realize if you were a terrorist and you saw all the crime being committed in New York now, and you saw the fact that they're saying, oh, don't use facial recognition technology. Don't use drones. Don't use the technology available. Who's going to benefit from that? Average everyday criminals? Yes. But terrorists who want to strike again the heart of America, which has always been New York City. They did it in 92, remember? The first World Trade Center bombing. Mm -hmm. They did it on 9-11. And you can bet that in some cave somewhere around the world, they're planning now a third attack. And the the people who protected us is this anti-terrorism task force of the NYPD. Try to get any information about their numbers. And it's hush, hush, mush, mush. There's no comments.
2: You know, a lot of what you're saying sounds like... new york city would benefit from becoming a smart city where we upgraded our technology um and there's others on the aisle that'll push against that and say oh we'll become a surveillance state and it's they're not concerned with they're not so concerned with what they'll do locally but they're more concerned about what that information will provide on a on a macro scale to other governments or our government?
1: Well, look, there are arguments. Uh, Those are really strong arguments. But I think if you're involved in the criminal justice system and you don't want men or women to be arrested who are not responsible for violations or crimes, why wouldn't you use the technology that can determine who the right people are as opposed to the wrong people? Look, I've met a lot of people who got jammed up simply because somebody ID'd them. And they ID'd that person who had not been there uh, on that occasion at that time. And they ended up doing 20, 25 years. Now we have the technology that's a lot better. DNA. Remember, before we had DNA, there was no way. Now we have photo recognition, identification. We use that against terrorism. Why wouldn't we use it against domestic terrorists who are criminals or white collar criminals? Or people who are coming in and are perpetually coming in and shoplifting, which is a tremendous menace to the retail and wholesale establishment. I don't know if people know, but Macy's Herald, the largest department store in America, Mm -hmm. has a jail up on the fourth floor which is the largest jail in New York City, larger than
0: what they have. That's news to me, I didn't know that. In Midtown South, because of all the shoplifters. All the shoplifters, yeah. Oh, wow, inside the building of Macy's. Yes, and they used to at night,
1: they used to have dogs they would release upon closing because people would try to hide in every nook, cranny, and oh, crevice. Shoot, <laughs> really? Yes, and the they next day dogs. they would come. I didn't know
2: that No, that's yeah. crazy. No,
1: they don't use them any longer, but the dog would actually keep them captured in a space. Mm. They would refuse to come out. You'd be surprised because that's an old building with yeah, a lot yeah, of different, it's
2: cavernous. Yeah, it's a great building. Mm. Yeah, but you have to building. do that. You yeah. can, if you
1: don't do that, the prices go up because all of a sudden, when there's more shoplifting, more theft, what do you do? You raise the retail price. And nowadays, you don't have to go to Macy's; yeah. you go to Amazon.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know what? I think New York City would benefit from an upgrade of technology. If you look at every other major city, I'm outside of the U.S. You're like, holy shit! subway system it, the in the subway—you could take off your shoes and walk barefoot. I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, but it is that pristine. Yeah. Um, They their their subway system, just to build on what you're saying, it's if it says if it says it's gonna be there at five o'clock, it's Hmm. gonna be there five o'clock.
1: A public lavatory, a public bathroom. Other major cities around the world they have lavatories. What does New York City have? And then when the pandemic hit they closed all the lavatories. So they saw the homeless and the emotionally disturbed who were urinating and defecating. And I said to the authorities, well where do you think these people are going to go? They've got right. nowhere to go. You could disinfect the bathrooms. You could have bathroom attendants. That's a good job in which you can also watch to make sure that there's no problems going on in the bathrooms, but you need public facilities. We had an opportunity to get public facilities years ago, but our elected officials immediately they call it off. They call it street furniture. You know, they're actually self-cleaning Mm -hmm. devices you see them in Berlin you see them in Ankara in Turkey and yet you don't see them in New York why because when the providers came in right away politicians wanted to shake them down and they said we can't make we can't make this work in New York right away they wanted to shake them down for campaign contributions community contributions meantime you know there's a very small margin of making it on a quarter A quarter to be able to use a public facility that once you're finished, actually self-cleans itself. So whether you're a homeless person or a billionaire, why aren't these available for people? You know, I've had colitis, ileitis, Crohn's disease, I've had uh, uh, prostate cancer. When you have that, you feel like you got to go every other block. Half the time you don't have to go. But you know, Starbucks, you used to be able to go to Starbucks. Now that's they've right.
0: closed the now bathrooms. Like, key right. code, you need a key code, right. you need to buy something. And and, right.
2: and, and and let's talk about the traffic in New York City. You know, like a lot of cars. There's a lot of one-lane, two-lane areas where sometimes let's face it parking in new york city is extremely difficult in a lot of communities so what they'll do is they'll double park and that'll just create havoc well
1: we, a, there's an answer for that right a mm-hmm. lot of it is deliveries uh when i was the night manager of mickey d's up in the bronx fordham and webster we would get our deliveries at two o'clock in the morning it was a heavy volume store and there are other places to get deliveries at night now that's where you give Uh, tax credits so that they can keep employees there to receive. Supermarkets a lot of times get their deliveries overnight. You would have less problems during the day with all the double parking and the bicycle lanes. Look, in communities where they use bicycle lanes, good. But there are a lot of communities they're trying to force bicycle lanes on. You could sit in a bicycle lane for an hour and not see one bicycle. That's a waste of expenditure. Put bicycle lanes where they're wanted Mm-hmm. don't put them where they're not
2: the surveillance and the cameras and using that technology it can help direct traffic to where there's a lot of uh backlog and delays they can move traffic in other areas because they can read and it's a smart it's a smart city so they'll be they'll have devices that can talk to each other and they'll know which way to oh, yeah. push cars but if they're, if not anti- at, they're not it's, it's already being tested if you look at Medellin, colombia what it used to be what it's known for sure, right sure. the big drug drug drugs right, right? coquina yes coquina now it's a ma- it's a smart city it's a major tech hub and if there's cars that are double parked and just sitting there it'll it'll snap a photo of that car and issue it a ticket
1: but notice what they're using the smart technology for congestion pricing to tax you now, they don't mind taxing you But wait a second, you're trying to get the city back on track. Your subway system is filled with crime. People don't want to take the subways. They're going to be taking, they're going to be coming into the city by any means necessary if you're encouraging them to come back to the workplace or come back and enjoy a meal or go to a bar or go to some form of entertainment and spend your money. And then you have thrown on it congestion pricing. They Basically, they're trying to tax people out of existence. They got to stop this. They got to cut their costs. They got to do more with less and stop talking about taxing everything that moves. In fact, it's gotten to the point in New York City and New York State where from the cradle to the grave, all they want to do is tax, 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 tax. And all you're going to do is drive people out. Right. You're going to so drive people out. Where
2: else, where else can they get the revenue from if they reduce the taxes? Well,
1: you get the revenue by people coming into the city and spending money. Look at all the sales taxes. Look, at that's how you generate revenue through volume. But if you're chasing people away and businesses can't operate and it's closed, then everybody loses, everybody, including the poorest, because how are you going to fund the social service network that's necessary to provide the basics for these people? It comes from people who are earning money and spending money, and that's what you have to be able to do. But if you have an environment where people are not going to come into the city What are you going to do? You're taxing them away. They move away. And then you become a welfare state. And a welfare state we've seen universally fails.
2: What you're saying, the people listening will extrapolate from it and go, damn, this guy makes a lot of sense. And you may be on new people's radar you've never been before, uh, where they're going, oh, shit, he's running for mayor. That's an option. He's in play. And then you'll have some people that may say, I don't know enough about this guy. I mean... Yeah, He's a guardian angel, but he came out of nowhere and you know he doesn't have any political experience. Why should I vote for him? What do you say to folks like that?
1: Well, well first off, uh, if they need to know more about me, they go to the website
2: and what, what's Curtis
1: Slewa for mayor.com. Curtis Slewa for mayor.com. Number two, I've made my bones in this city, I've been shot by the mob, survived that. I provided a public safety force at no expense to the taxpayers, volunteers, a multiracial who go out and patrol without weapons and go into communities where there's an obvious need and we empower people. It's all about empowering people. Now, if all you're talking about is raising revenue and just taking money from the taxpayers without providing services, I'm the wrong guy for this job. I'm going to show you how to get more for less and more importantly, how to show you how you can do a lot of things for yourself. You don't have to be dependent on government. But they don't want to hear that. They want They want a Mashiach. They want a Messiah. You know, all these men and women running for office, oh, vote for me, and I'll lead you on the way. And Curtis Lewis says, no, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes like i made throughout my life. There are some situations that I'm going to gauge improperly. I'm going to have to recalibrate. I will apologize, and I will have to take advice from people who probably can't stand me and my belief system, but if they have a route, an avenue to address some of these situations and they could do more for less, they're welcome. They're welcome to participate uh, because as mayor of the city of New York, I'm not omnipotent, I'm not all-knowing, I'm not pretentious. I'm gonna learn from a lot of people. And you don't hear elected officials saying that. Oh, oh look at me, I got a 50-point program here that's gonna resolve it. Really, have we ever been in a pandemic? that it's been combined with a rise in crime and fiscal insolvency before. So how do we know your 50 points are going to work? What, what, where, where, where is the historical effect of showing us where these, oh, well, it sounds good. You know, all oh, the wonks, they love that. The academics, oh, it sounds good. Sliwa, how come you only have three programs? Fighting crime, right? Refunding the police. Property taxes in the outer boroughs that are out of whack so that if you're in a place like Canarsie where I grew up, you're paying more property taxes than somebody with a brownstone and Carroll Gardens and Park Slope where the mayor has two houses. That makes no sense. And education. There's a bloated budget. $30 billion we spend on our public school education out of a $92 billion uh, total budget. And what are we getting for our families and our children as a result? We're telling them no more charter schools, parochial schools are no good, uh, academic excellence is no good, and we're going to focus on desegregation? That didn't work in the 60s? How the hell do they think that's going to work now? That is not the priority in our public school system. It's to educate the kids, especially they're redshirted. They're like a year behind. It's like they've all been left back. Oh, That's right. We don't leave anybody back anymore. Because everyone gets socially promoted. We don't care if they're on their laptops, learning the their lesson. Participation
2: trophy. Just, I just push go.
1: them forward. Push them But That's not what New York City has been about in the past. And it's not what New York City is going to be about. And uh, the mayoralty of Curtis Sliwa, if you've earned it and you've played by the rules, you're going to get it. We're not going to take it away from
2: you. What do you think about the other folks that are running? Um...
1: I know a lot of them, nice men, nice women, uh, but I think they're so gripped into their own little world, their own little cosmos. So I'll use the perfect one: we have Yang and the Yang Gang. Andrew Yang is very. He's got to learn what a, a he's bo- leading in the polls. Yeah, but he's got to learn what a bodega is, right? And then he's got to learn that the A train does not go to the Bronx. I mean, he's trying so hard to be like a New Yorker. Relax, Yang. You, you'll, you'll pick it up along the way, but you're just trying so hard to prove, you know, dirty water hot dog in Coney Island. You've never been to Coney Island for a dirty water hot dog, but <laughs> just stick to what you know. Don't bamboozle us. I call it political tricknology, and they're all guilty of it in, in certain. but mm-hmm. I never see them on the subway. Mm. You know, I never see them riding the subway, and they know I'm always in the subway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I've been riding the subways by myself since I was five years old, 1959.
2: Yeah, I could understand. Um, you know, he, politicians trying to look like the average Joe. everyday yeah, every Joe, every guy, Joe. like like you know, every everyone around here, right? And that's been um, born and raised here and, and living in the city. Um, but do you think that they'll actually be good for New York City? I mean, you've seen New York City through several mayors. Yeah. You've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, and now you're seeing this whole new generation of people running for for office. And if do you think that they will be just another De Blasio type?
1: God forbid. I mean, that's he's or been the worst. Or do you think that?
2: It'll be more like Eckhart's Giuliani
1: might be a combination of everyone. But I must say that they're going to have to lead by what they do, not what they say. For instance, they want to defund the police. Most of them do. Then why are you going to have as mayor police protection 24 hours? Why are you going to be in an SUV that we the taxpayers pay for? How about riding the subways and the buses to your appointments? How about foregoing the police since you want to defund the police? Why should we give you 24-hour protection? I don't have 24-hour protection. And I'm more vulnerable to attacks, as my history has indicated, than any of these candidates, most of whom you couldn't pick out of a police lineup if your life depended on it. You know, so the reality is they want, want, me, me, I, I. But then when it's time for us and we, oh, no, I need it. In fact, one character, Jumani Williams, he's the public advocate. He hates the police. He wants to defund the police. Do you know where he lives? He lives in the garrison in Fort Hamilton, an active U.S. Army base where you have to show identification to get in and out to the MPs. He has 24-hour NYPD security. He's driven around in an SUV that we provide taxpayers, and he hates the police, and he hates the military, yet he lives on a military base. Now, is that not the height of hypocrisy? Now, who knows that? Curtis Sliwa, everyone else. Well, I didn't know that. Because you don't know where everyone's bones is buried and who buried it, I know.
2: Do you think Andrew Yang will be good for New York City?
1: Uh, I think he's idealistic, uh, giving money away to people. Uh, Where's he getting this money from? Uh, Does he have a printing press? Because $1,000, $5,000? Bloomberg tried that to a degree. Uh, A guaranteed income, you know, if you would do certain things, take care of your children better, stay... We never really got the analytics from that. I'd like to see the analytics because it was announced and then all of say, hey, whatever happened to that Bloomberg program? Right. You can't just keep giving money to people because right. they're not gonna value it. If they earn it, boy, do they value it. If you just keep throwing money at them, how are they gonna become
2: self-supportive?
1: How are they gonna go out there and wanna earn money and then bank money and care for their children?
2: Right. I think Andrew Yang's case for that is that it's not the solution. But it's a good starting point for those people that are struggling. If they wanted to open a business, they can now have the option to because at least some of their basic finances are taken care of so they can afford to take more risks and, and uh, pursue entrepreneurship or pursue a, a different career where they can contribute stronger back to society.
1: No, no, there's no problem in helping uh, an entrepreneur, but in universal income, that's socialism,
2: that's socialist. That's not capitalism.
1: America, we're capitalists. That's why- So you think
2: that's disguised socialism? Well, of course. When you give money away to people, it's like,
1: have they earned that money? What are they going to do with that money? Are there checks and balances on that money? Look, we, we have people that get food stamps now. A lot of people need food stamps, but they have a, a card, like a credit card. A debit a, card, yeah. A picture on it. Do you ever see a clerk look at the picture? Half the time, I'm in mean, a grocery store saying say, never hey, look at it. This is a guy with a woman's picture on the card, and he's not even related to her. doesn't matter. <laughs> swipe it, swipe it. Wait, you're not supposed to be selling tobacco products, and you're not supposed to be selling liquor products, and yet you're swiping it with a snap card. we got to have regulations put into place. Do people need help, subsistence? Absolutely. But there are so many abuses, and you know, people turn a blind eye to it because everybody makes money off it everybody makes money off of it and that's got to stop
2: so how do we help people and minimize abuse of the system because i new york city is one of these cities is just the variance between the rich and the poor is i mean that that line of separation could not be greater i've seen both sides where i hung out with very wealthy people and then i hung out with people who have that 300 square foot apartment and i'm just kicking it having a beer in their studio and I'm going. I can't believe just the how much this person has and how little this person has, and what this person here needs to do just to get by. And there's so. And here's the thing: there's more people like that person that needs help than there than there are these wealthy people who are uh, just have a surplus. How do we get the help and direct it where it's needed without wasting it or abusing it? education
1: uh, historically it always comes through the pathway of education we give our children and children's children a proper education and maybe what we were not able to achieve in our lifetime they certainly will that's been the history right. of america but Curtis
2: how do you help that family that's struggling now though let's let, well, you let, you
1: help them in tutoring you don't help them
2: in buying nike sneakers right but a lot of people would argue that books you can't eat books how am i supposed to put food on the table by 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 reading or yeah, learning.
0: Well, you were talking about the basic necessities of life, right? Right. right. Yeah, Our basic necessity
1: of life, I and mean, what kind of food are they purchasing with the money that we give them, which is deteriorating them physically and causing them all kinds of harm. That's a much long-term of debate, but just to give people money? I don't know if you've ever gotten anything in your life for free. You're
2: no, not- I, had, I had to work for everything I've gotten, but uh, what I will say, mm. Uh, yeah, we came from a very humble beginning. My family, my my parents are immigrants, so we had an extremely humble beginning and we had to work for everything. But I mean, there are other folks that may not be as fortunate of a position where they can have the opportunity to work. Maybe they have mental health issues, right? Maybe they have, uh, maybe they're handicapped in some way and, or maybe the jobs just aren't there anymore, right? Uh, maybe they don't want to you have the other side of the people who really do want to contribute to society who really want to be useful but for whatever reason society right the way it stands now the jobs are all gone right the service industries i mean is very or the hours are limited and i could understand how it can make it very challenging making ends meet especially if you're supporting a family So how do we support our citizens moving forward?
1: Well, you can't rob people of being incentivized. If all of a sudden you just give them money uh, and they don't know what to do with that money and it's unchecked money, how are they going to spend it? Is it going to be spent in the long term to benefit themselves or their children? Or is it just going to be spent on entertainment or self-gratification? There are no checks and balances to that.
2: Right. It's basically, so let's do give we, people money. So because of that, do we just leave that family oh, no. high and dry?
1: Oh, no. But we've already done that. Liberals and progressives, they've closed psychiatric hospitals. They've uh, intervened in what were rehab programs that forced people with mental health issues to take their properly diagnosed given medication. So, you know, you say you're a liberal and progressive. And yet liberal progressives, look at all the homelessness. Look at all the emotionally disturbed. What are you doing for them? And yet they say, throw money at them. You really think an emotionally disturbed person, if you just throw money at them, are going to be able to function? No, they're dysfunctional. They need help. Homeless people too. You just throw money at them, they're going to be able to function. You could give them an apartment, but they have to be taught how to be able to provide for themselves. Because long-term, you're just handicapping them. Short-term gain but no long-term gain at all. If anything, they become even more dependent on government.
2: So give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach him how to fish, can eat It all life goes life.
1: back to so, what I'm talking about in the schools. The demand is vocational high school, junior high school training in skilled level positions that we have to issue visas for foreign workers. We have a ready workforce right here. And yet we said, no, children have to just have an academic curriculum. That's specious. The way you answer it is you fill the job market need. So if no longer working at a Mickey D's because now they'll do a robot because they don't wanna pay $15 to a human being, it's cheaper to use robotics, and I know I used to manage a McDonald's because that's where we're leading to, Mm -hmm. then you've gotta raise people's skill levels. And you have a captive audience in the public school system. But notice, are they talking vocational training? Are they talking about getting young men and young women, even high school graduates ready for a job market?
2: The answer is no. No, absolutely not. I, I agree with you. I think, I mean, for a lot of people, college is not even an option. I mean, it's just so expensive. You graduate and you're in severe debt and there's no debt forgiveness.
0: And there's no guarantee that you can, you're gonna get, you get you a job after. If you file for
2: bankruptcy, you still owe money. For, if, it's, if it's educational loans, you still owe that money. No matter what, yep. I mean that law's been. I mean, you had lobbyists that passed that law, but I mean, what? So a lot of people are just looking at the bottom line. They go, you know what? It's not worth it to go to college. For a lot of people, well, it's just not worth it. You have they a lot of you have a, a lot of
1: trade schools that are out there that are filling the need with Pell grants that we the taxpayers pay for. Uh, And a lot of times those Pell Grants are abused, but they've given many young men and young women skill levels that they can then go out and get good paying jobs, care for themselves, their families, and pay taxes.
2: Last thing. I I, I know that um, you mentioned something about getting shot. Yes. Five times. What happened?
1: Well, I took on the Gottis and Gambinos back in the 90s when John Gotti Sr. was on trial for the last time. Uh, And he ended up doing triple life uh, without parole because he had Memorex uh, tapes of conversations he had with the rat who ate the Parmesan cheese. Remember Sammy the Bull Gravano. That was it. Gotti was away. But I was disparaging him on the radio at WABC. I had a, a segment called Mom Talk. People were saying, no, you can't talk about the mob. Uh, Howard Stern wouldn't talk about the mob, Don Amos, no broadcasters because well, they feared for their life. And they even use me as an example. Now say, so see what happened to Curtis? They first attacked him with baseball bats. They broke his wrist. He went back to broadcasting. And then I got shot five times with hollow point bullets in a, in a moving yellow cab in the lower east side. And luckily I was able to jump out. And avoid being turned into, uh, uh, well, let's just say the intended plan that came out in federal trial was they would take me to a chop shop in Brooklyn, East New York, and put me in a chemical vat and incinerate whatever was uh, remaining of me.
2: Holy shit. Yep. And that didn't scare you or stop nah, you?
1: I grew up with these gabones, these jadrules, these knuckle-draggers. The moment that I have to fear then I got to hang this beret and this red jacket up this, uh, and give it up, Maybe go down to Boca Raton, retire to the sixth borough of the city of New York and <laughs> Florida. But I will not surrender. I will not retreat.
2: They didn't try to go after you and finish the job?
1: Uh, they, twice. Remember, first they came at me with baseball bats. I continued to broadcast against the Gottis and Gambinos. And then they decided to uh, terminate that, make sure I never was broadcasting again. And just by uh, sheer luck, I was uh, able to avoid being chemically incinerated after being shot so many times.
2: That's crazy.
1: And John Gotti Jr., he uh, he arranged it for his father. He's still out there in Oyster Bay Cove living the life of Riley. But, you know, hey, they tried it once. They tried it twice. Come a third time, right? See if you can take out Curtis Lewis.
2: Oh, come on, Curtis.
1: No, no, hey, that's the way I operate. You you threaten me, I step to you. I, I'd never back off. This summer, right? June 1st, June 2nd, remember? rioting led to looting. You saw them invade like locusts to a cornfield.
0: There was like 100 plus mobs, uh,
2: a mob of 100 plus, right? And you Uh, guys were running towards it. Right.
0: right. The cops were told to stand
1: back. The only one who confronted the rioters and the looters were the guardian angels. I got a broken jaw. But our our philosophy is first they come for the property because they think it has insurance. And then they come for the product because they think it has insurance. But you know, they ultimately always come for the people. And if you don't stop them when they come for the property and the product, they're going to come for the people. And now, look, we have looting taking place in the middle of the day. Gun thugs come in, put guns to everybody's heads, and loot out a store in Soho in the middle of the day. Everything on camera. And they get away with it.
2: Curtis, what is it that keeps you going? I mean, after all these years, you still have this... Fire, think, and it's, yeah, it's the fire and and it's energy, stronger than ever. Well, and,
1: and, I, I think it's the way I was brought up. My father was a merchant seaman for fifty-five years. The neighborhood I grew up in, Canarsie, where I had to deal with these thugs uh, in the Italian American community—you know, the wannabes—and uh, I always recognized that if you show fear, you will be consumed with fear, and. I'm, I'm used to operating in the streets, not as much in the suites. So people will say, well, that's a disadvantage for you being mayor. Or there are other people who are very adept at dealing with the suites. But I have a feel for the streets. And if you show any kind of fear, you're dead on arrival. It's Darwinian survival of the fittest. And they have to be able to feel from you, you're exuding a feeling that, oh, you want to go for it? Go for it now. And they'll develop. You see, it's hard to explain. But they'll develop a begrudging respect for you. So now when I walk through the meanest, toughest streets of New York City into the belly of the beast, the guys who don't like me will say, yeah, but that's a legend. That guy's a legend. Now, they built me up bigger than what I am. But if they want to think I'm a legend and not a legend into my own mind, hey, that's great. I'll take it.
2: I grew up in New York city and you just remind me of so many people that I grew up with and around from the guy at the pizzeria to the teachers that I had to the guy on, uh, the, block. My, the, guy on the block, my neighbors, my baseball coaches. I mean, it's uh, it a, there's just, you're definitely well, a New York. What
1: do they say in the hood? They said, you got to keep it real. And I've so. been keeping it real for 42 years. And that's why I'm going to become the mayor and I am going to teach people how to take care of themselves. So they're less dependent on government. So when I mess up, or I don't deliver on what I promise, they won't be as pissed off because they'll realize, yeah, 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 yeah. he's not a God. He's not uh, perfect. Like all other human beings, we're imperfect. We make mistakes. You just have to be willing to acknowledge it and then learn from it and then move on to try to correct it.
2: What's your website?
1: com. That's CurtisSliwaForMayor.com. Curtis,
2: thank you for coming by. This is Lucky Boys, and we are out.
0: Thanks for listening and supporting the podcast. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts for the rest of our episodes.